Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. When comedians Anthony Atomanuk and James Adomian first met up to redefine the term mock debate during an October 2015 late-night comedy showcase at the UCB Theater, few people really believed that Donald J. Trump and Bernie Sanders were more than passing fads. But as primary voters have made their voices heard in this 2016 presidential campaign, Trump versus Bernie seems more plausibly ridiculous than ever before. Before it becomes too real, Atomanuk and Adomian and their pitch-perfect impersonations of Trump and Bernie are taking their messages to voting-age audiences across America. They're more enjoyable and more substantive than the actual debates at times. I caught up with the comedians, as well as Baratunde Thurston, the supervising producer for The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, who moderated their mock debate at New York City's Highline Ballroom. So let's get to it! Corn, okay? I mean, you only order popcorn at a movie theater so you can put your penis inside the bucket. I do it with my daughter, Ivanka, every time. So, Baratunde Thurston, you just moderated the Trump versus Bernie debate here in New York City. Does it surprise you that this is getting as much traction as it is? No more surprising than each of the individual candidates getting as much traction as they are. I think in many ways this matchup is a dream scenario for anyone who is entertained by our politics or legitimately has to cover them. Uh, so it's unlikely to happen, but not totally implausible given the trajectory both these guys are on. It was, uh, it was fun and frightening at the same time. If you were to moderate an actual debate with the actual Trump and actual Senator Sanders, would you treat it differently than you treated this fake debate? This is very much a real debate for me. I mean, I put in about 37 and a half hours of preparation. I studied every other presidential debate to make sure I didn't repeat those hacks. And I brought as much as I could from my own background uh, into this. I mean, I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tear equity uh, into this event. So I don't think a quote-unquote real version right. would be much more significant than the fake version that we just put on. Well, that's why you're a, a, a veteran digital guru for both The Onion and now uh, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of comedians out there right now at the beginning of this 2016 presidential election who claim that they actually want Donald Trump to be president just for the jokes? I mean, I think we've been through this before. I think we, we had uh, President George W. Bush, who now looks quite reasonable in comparison because he actually acknowledged the humanity of Muslim people, unlike Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, where you, you have this, this situation where comics or people interviewing comics claim that they want the disastrous person to become president because it's good for humor. Uh, my thought on that has always been like, yeah, there are comedians out there who would say such a thing, but mostly there are comedians who are people, citizens, human beings first, and in reality it's not necessarily a, a gift to visit a tragedy on the nation. <laughs> so where, where do you hope that... Uh this goes from here. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm really excited about the way these guys f closed the show out, where they kind of they stayed in voice, but they popped out of character. 
and uh, and became their own like Greek chorus and talking to the audience is beautifully done. I, uh, I mean, I I hope for the Trump side of things that he continues to. Uh, there's there's many ways he can unravel himself, mm-hmm. uh, and I think if he does succeed, it's a valuable lesson for those who enabled him. Uh, it's not something I personally want necessarily, right. but I think there is. There's a the the merger of entertainment and politics has gotten so skewed that it's very plausible now, and uh, so what comes out of that is a painful, if not very important, lesson. Right. I think Sanders is not such a dangerous person to the country as, as Trump has kind of created himself to be in in the monstrosity of it all. Um, but look, I, I think as we get more serious and people start to vote uh, a lot more, I, I hope this in some ways can like shake people enough that they they go from Taking it seriously to not taking it seriously at all, the whole process mm-hmm. is a joke to kind of turn it all the way back around to like, oh, this actually matters again. I think if, if such extremities force people to realize that this is real, then that's possibly worth it. And as for your actual job with The Daily Show, how would you like to see your shows, both your, the TV coverage and the digital coverage of the 2016 election to, to go? I mean, I, I think... We're doing, um, I like what we're doing so far. I, I can't predict the future. I mean, right. I can, but it's expensive. <laughs> and it's risky, and it, I get nosebleeds after. But I think if you look at how the show has talked about Trump, whether it's uh, Trump wants to bang his daughter, whether mm-hmm. it's Trump is the African dictator. That was a good hashtag. Trump good as, the, uh, as the carnival barker, mm-hmm. you can start to feel out, mm-hmm. you know, a unique position that the show can find versus a lot of media and comedic right. noise uh, around this significant entertaining candidate out there. Especially since more and more young voters are looking to shows like yours yeah. for their election coverage. I have no comment on where young people get their information. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> so, Tony and James, when I first saw you two debate as Trump and Bernie in October of 2015 at Whiplash, People didn't think that this would still be a, a thing. They thought both campaigns were a novelty act. Right. They people like a, a lot of people thought that we just picked the two funniest characters and had them go at each other in a debate. But uh, partly we're lucky, and partly we thought this very well may be the general election. And it's 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 an interesting combination of like foresight and luck because that's kind of what's happening. Time Magazine had a poll, and millennials overwhelmingly want to see a race between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, which is uh, would be a very interesting, awesome circus of an ideological clash. I agree, and I, I agree with James. I think that it was a combination of luck and foresight. I mean, I think that we both started doing them for probably different reasons, and I, I know I started doing him mostly out of luck at the draw of having the, the ability to do his voice. But also in September was when it started to crystallize that Trump was actually not doing what he did in 2012, which was I think he almost declared but then pulled out. And I think that maybe people thought he was doing a summer thing to negotiate The Apprentice, and then it, it actually turned into a real campaign. So, yeah, I, I'm surprised, but not I'm not surprised. I think that both of those people were going to go further than the media class wanted them to go. I think they didn't want this to happen. But here we are in February of 2016, and both of your candidates not only won New Hampshire. Front runners. But are now considered front runners. That's right. 
how, how does that make you feel as comedians versus comedians? Well, yeah, for for comedy, it's great because obviously we're doing these impressions and we're kind of out in front of it, and we kind of it's kind of like. You know, we scouted this out early on, and we've been doing it, and we're already on tour, so it's it's and and it gives us a lot more material. Like now, the media is finally paying attention to Bernie Sanders, and now people are taking Donald Trump as a serious, awful possibility. So we have this, uh, we have we're, we're like we positioned ourselves right next to the news story and we're just, it, it, it's writing itself. And I think we made ourselves the story, which is important too. I think that's why we got that CNN thing today is because we've become part of the story, which is an important element of political cycles is that things that don't just have um, a reflection or attention to something, but actually have a satirical or um, activist element to them, uh, they will elevate those ideas, at least even if it's to manipulate them, to put them into the forefront of the eye of the American people. And also, I think it's an opportunity to use comics to put forward the things that the media class can't say because of their ownership by Time Warner or Viacom or whatever other company owns them that is making sure that they don't rock the boat too much. Yeah, that's interesting is that um, we're doing this live. We've, do we've only done a little bit on TV as Trump and Bernie, and uh, there's nobody to tell you what to do at a live show. You're just It's between you and the audience. There's no gatekeepers and no standards and practices, so we get to say things that aren't allowed on television. So it's actually a wonderful place to do an impression to Bernie Sanders because he's not really allowed on TV that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, but also I think um, – I think um, – you know, we aside from getting away with stuff, uh, doing it live, I think that uh, it, it's just like we're both steeped in live performance. Me and Antonio, and that's like our first home. So it's like uh, it's fun. It's our first first love is live comedy shows, yeah. and I Tony's a performer that I've known and trusted for a long time. So it's and it's, it's right in our wheelhouse. And same with James, it's in our wheelhouse. It's and it's an evolving show, just like a campaign evolves. Um, and I think also, like, yeah, as these candidates uh, continue, I think it's actually – listen, there's a part of me – I'm going to sound like Chris Matthews right now, but it's like this is part of the democratic process. It's fascinating that these two, for as ridiculous as they are, are the front runners. I mean, not for Bernie, but for Trump, I should say, it's ridiculous. For Bernie Sanders, it's not that it's ridiculous, but it's, it is shocking as a child of the 70s. The idea that someone like this in this era could even have voice to the degree they do is phenomenal because I thought that the idea of that type of thought would be dead in the political discourse by now. Yeah, Chris Matthews here. I actually <laughs> want to weigh in and comment on it. Yeah, these two guys who thought they were outsiders, they looked like Pat Buchanan, Dennis Kucinich, now they're frontrunners at parties. Where's the horse race politics meeting with you Hampshire primary? Chris, now, please calm down. You Rachel Meadow, go ahead. Chris First off, we have to go all the way back to 1881 when we had two candidates who represented the Whig Mason Party and the Odd Fellows of Wilson, Massachusetts. And these two almost became their party nominees. It was really fascinating, Chris. Okay, we're going to be back with more blathering after this. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me see. Oh, I love it. Now, now Tony, you, you here at the New York City show at the Highline Ballroom. Yeah. You not only broke the fourth wall, but you also broke character at one point late in the show. Well, 
Donald Trump suggested that people should be questioning Donald Trump a little bit more. Yes, yes. Um, I would say that I try to break character within Trump or become the anti-Trump. So I had this idea earlier of doing a thing it's where like he becomes Marvel comics. Yeah, it's like a, like he becomes the anti-Trump for a moment. He like witnesses himself and actually speaks to the disaster that he is. It's my way of commenting through him, obviously. But I think that um, it's something that's evolved and worked with the audiences, and I think it's a way <laughs> for both James and I to get across our view within our character. And I think that the difficulty I was finding in earlier shows was that I want to make these points that are quite satirical about how dangerous Trump is, but quite frankly, audiences need a little bit more hand-holding than they did 10 or 15 years ago. And I think that they are more prone to outrage for very small things and they don't see the long picture. So I think I've had to start to hand-feed them a little bit uh, to understand that their reactions are good to be disgusted by the things said, but that, that they should be maybe doing it with the real person and, and taking the satirical reflection as a way to elaborate on that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, it, what make, that's what makes people laugh. And in, in just... Surprised, right? Right. And in just the last couple of days, I no I've noticed that you both have been able to get actually up close with both of the campaigns. And in, in the uh, it's great. Um, we went first to a Trump rally. Uh, both in both cases, we were in New Hampshire, and we did a show the night before the primary, and they were there for the night of the primary. So we went to a Trump rally, and we got footage of Tony as Donald Trump in a Trump rally. And it's important to point out the it, the negative energy oh, in those man. rooms. I was in in it, and it's even worse in person than it looks like on TV. These are angry, angry people. I tweeted that it, being in a Trump rally, it's it, the best best way to describe it is this: it's like, what if the Nazis didn't care about fitness? <laughs> it's a really funny line. It's so true. It is so true. They are, um, you know, I I. Um... I, you know, I'm always sort of half a softy too, which is that I feel sad for those people because they're being fed a line that's not true and they're suffering and they're going there because they're suffering and their hatred is, you know, or ignorance and whatever else is mixed in there is one of the reasons they're seeking this out and they're, they're um, hurting their own. And then, but then also, um, you got really close to to Senator Sanders, didn't you? Yeah. After that, the night we we got into his victory celebration, his victory speech, uh, which was amazing. Um, and I was doing the same thing when I was filming. I was, we were filming me as Bernie in the Bernie Sanders rally, and it was great because a lot of people, not only there but also on the street in New Hampshire, knew, recognized us from our YouTube video or. Oh, wow. Comedy Bang Bang, and so we were like taking. I was taking pictures with people at the Bernie Sanders rally, um, and then I got to meet him. I, I briefly met him, uh, which was and great. you were in. I was in costume, costume as Bernie. Yes, <laughs> I, he laughed. <laughs> Did you exchange uh, more? Yeah, yeah. No, I was or? like Bernie. Oh, Bernie! And he was like, <laughs> he was like shocked that he laughed. So, how many more campaign stops do you two have? Oh, uh, God. We have, what, 20 more shows or 12 more shows? Uh, I think we have 14 more shows. Okay. So we're like one-third of the way through now. Um, it's going to be big. We're in Philadelphia sold out Monday. Then we have a big weekend in Washington, D.C. with three shows and 
there's tickets still for that. And then we're on to Virginia, Atlanta, Austin, Texas, and then uh, Arizona, and then Seattle, Portland, and um, San Francisco. Yeah. So uh, last question, Tony. Uh, death by Ruru or death by Trump? Death by Ruru. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> what kind of question is that? Death by Ruru was the greatest improv team that ever existed. We ran for 10 years, and all the people who come out of it have become – immensely successful except for me (laughs) they got a you know they got a plaque a commendation from mayor laguardia (laughs) they did that's right it's at the airport um but uh yeah i mean in death by trump uh i don't even want to say that i hope that he goes back to his life and has a nice billionaire life in his buildings and stops um you know ignorantly trying to stumble around the world like a bloated orange rhino well, thank you for for all of your service that you two are doing for our country. Do we say something about Bernie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think no, no, no more airtime. I Bernie. think Bernie Sanders is the best chance we have to stop Donald Trump. I think Bernie Sanders consistently polls mm-hmm. uh, s- strongest against Trump and every other. Uh, Republican nominee that's possible in every matchup because he's very, very popular with independent voters. And um, and I also think his policy, his positions would be the most positive thing that we've had in this country since Franklin Roosevelt. And it feels like Bernie Sanders is like, would be like Franklin Roosevelt's fifth election. Yes. And I think I wanted to say you made a really good point in the show tonight. Just to, um, I love that line that you put in about um about how you don't you're not going to talk about your foreign policy because it's so radical <laughs> you get in office and i really think that is why bernie sanders doesn't really get into foreign policy because i think he's going to radically change how we deal with the yeah, world he's going to be like Nate, we're out of nato done <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know the great thing about about this show n- not only the source material but the fact that both of you are such skilled improvisers that you don't really need a script you can just Go off of the news and yeah, and we, we, understanding we have notes. We, we we initially it's improvised, and then when we really like something, we try to write it down. We forget some, but we do like accumulate notes as the show goes on. I'd say it's like seventy five percent written now. Yeah, at this point, it yeah. is. It comes off extemporaneous, which is a good acting job by both of us. <laughs> um, and I also think that we let the language sort of flow with the ideas, so we're not sort of married to actual specific lines. But the and the order of everything changes. Like the, it, the 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 moderators are different in every city, so we never know when a certain question is going to come up. That's another interesting thing. Let me say this, and when I say that, let me just have a few words about it. <laughs> we face a great choice, and this will be a great exchange of ideas. And I believe, and this is just my belief, that it is possible to wave your arms and almost. Hypnotize an audience with a certain cadence and rising volume to force an audience to applaud. And why are you trying to get them to applaud? Him? This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. 
I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first.